Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 230. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Smile, Luna Display, and Squarespace. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm just in front of my Luna display and my entire automated setup, which works really, really well. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm excited yeah. to dig into that. Uh, and mm-hmm. we are also joined, of course, by Mike Hurley. Hi. How are you? Fine. It's, what, what's wrong, Mike? Well, it, I, I thought today that you might introduce me first as a way to atone for uh, his sins. Can you no. please introduce him first next time, Stephen? Okay. Do I need some sort of system where like odd episodes Mike goes first and even episodes Federico goes first? Like, I think that that is the only way to to make uh, everybody feel better. I'm mm-hmm. on a couple of shows where we alternate the opening, so both Liftoff and Mac Power users uh, alternate who says the beginning. And like, it is. I have a note basically at the top of each document of like Stephen gets the odd ones or Jason gets the even ones or whatever the case may be because it's. It's impossible to keep up with. There you go. So you already have a system. Just employ that system, but you're just alternating with yourself. It just doesn't want to use it with you. It's funny how these things happen. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to put this at the top of the document. So are we saying Federico gets even episodes? Yeah, I feel like I'm more odd than Federico. Uh, are you? Okay. Yeah, so I feel like just in general, I'm a little bit more odd than you are. Mike. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> Do you not agree? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I never thought of myself in that way. Uh, am I odd? <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. Um, I, see, like I, being, know I, I like being even, though. I like being okay. even. You see? Well, you know, maybe you're odd because you're left-handed. That's the only possible explanation. You're more sinister, if you will. Um, what is that so. supposed to mean? <laughs> what, what is, <laughs> why is left-handedness sinister? Well, you know, in tradition, in, uh, traditionally, you know, there's the thing that people are left-handed. They're like, especially in medieval times, that was seen as uh, something obscure to an extent. You know, being left-handed. You know, the whole sort of hand of the devil, that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, I only write with my left hand. Everything else I do with my right hand. Does that make it any different? Well, it makes you a little bit of both, I suppose. Um, okay. So somewhere in between even and odd, uh, you are like uh, a fraction, uh, we could say. Okay. You're like, um, what's, a, what's it called when, uh, like a non-even number, like one, 1. 1.5, what's the name for that? Like um, a decimal, like a... A decimal, yeah, yeah. exactly. You're like a decimal, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. I'm, pl- I'm really pleased we got that cleared up before we start the show today. You know, I, I was looking at my to-do list this morning. I said, there's some things I need to accomplish today, but this is the crowning achievement of the day, I think. We've yes. solved this problem. It, this was very productive. That is now at the top of the, of the Google Doc in Comic Sans, so we know to take it very seriously. So it's up there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now that that's done, we should talk about follow-up. Does that sound good? Yes. Oh, this wasn't follow-up? Okay. Well, that was like... Sure. Pre-show, pre-follow-up, like, appetizer for the show, an appetizer mm-hmm. for the show. This is what what gets people in the door to listen to the rest of the episode. Okay, yeah, they're sure. definitely hooked now, right? Like we didn't lose anybody <laughs> in the last three minutes. New listeners are like, oh boy, this is what I've been looking for in my life. <laughs> this is exactly the show I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> how did they know? It's like they made it for me. Can you believe that this show was featured in a? In a WWC keynote, it's it's amazing. I don't like to think about that whilst we're recording. 
I like to just think about it later. Like, so when, when I have the feeling afterwards of like, oh, Connected was fun this week, right? So like, I just have that memory of like, oh, it was good. So people will like it as opposed to like thinking about it right now, because that's, that's like judgment, which I'm uncomfortable yeah. with. It's a lot of know? pressure. Okay. Follow up. The FaceTime fix is out. iOS 12.1.4. There was also a supplemental update to macOS Mojave. They didn't rev the version number, but just had a, an update out. And so now we can all group FaceTime securely and safely without people. Should we though? Should we though? So this is kind of <laughs> what I, this is kind of where I wanted to go with this. We've used group FaceTime as, a, as the three of us for a couple of things, but like I, I don't use FaceTime in any form very often at all. It's really pretty rare. Most of the time it's when I'm traveling and I want to see, you know, my family when yes. I'm out of town. And I was curious about y'all's usage of FaceTime. Is it is it heavier than mine or, you know, where are you no, with this? Um, I FaceTime my mom when we're out of town and my mom is watching the dogs. And so we use FaceTime to make sure that the, that the dogs are alive and my mom is doing a good job. Um uh, my mom would like to FaceTime me more, uh, like even like during a normal weekday for some reason, because she misses me. She's yeah. very sweet, but I... Maybe she wants uh, to get pranked. Uh, maybe, maybe a FaceTime prank would be a good idea. Um, but I, I'm opposed to doing, um, two, you know, two frequent FaceTime conversations. It's just a whole thing. My mom is going to judge like, oh, your hair is too long or your beard is too long or, uh, put on a, put on a sweater. You're going to get cold. You know what moms do? So I don't want to be seen by my mom unless it's strictly necessary. Hmm. What about mm -hmm. you, Mike? Uh, I probably FaceTime about as frequently as you do. Maybe a little bit more. Um, but, but mo it's mostly when I travel, I did yeah. have to re-enable FaceTime over the weekend. I'd forgotten I had never enabled, but I had to like, I had, someone was going to call me on FaceTime. So mm -hmm. I had to like update all my devices. <laughs> Good, turn it, and, on. it was like a whole big thing. It was like yeah. 20 minutes before I was like, oh, like, I have to update everything. <laughs> so yeah. I did all of that and then turn it back on again. Yeah. I, I, I use the FaceTime audio occasionally. Mike and I, you, you and I will use it. But since Slack calling came about, that's basically what you and I use if we're not on Skype. So, yep. Uh, I like that it's there. I think it's. I think it says something that all of us use it like with our closest family members, and like it means a lot to me that it's there. But it definitely has never worked its way into my like everyday life by any stretch. I have no doubt that like uh, kids use it more. I mean, sure. I know that there are a bunch of apps like House Party and stuff that and that are made for this, and like Instagram mm -hmm. has. But like, I could imagine, you know, best friends calling each other on FaceTime, like if it's not like a group group situation and kind of just hanging out. I could imagine that I would have done something like that. Hmm. You know, I've I've read this thing um, that uh, a lot of kids playing Fortnite or uh, Apex now. It's this new game that just came out. Um, they use FaceTime as sort of a side companion to sure. to the game. So, like, they play the game, but they chat using FaceTime on the phone or the iPad nearby, uh, which is very clever. Um, sort of a... I mean, if I were a teenager today, like, if I was in high school today, I would be totally over FaceTime, <laughs> like, to do homework <laughs> together in the after. Like, that would be amazing. Can you uh, imagine sadly... the trouble we could get into today with all oh, yeah. the apps and services available to us? Yeah, I think about it, like, how hard it must be for, like, teachers and for schools to keep track of all these new <laughs> things it must be impossible. that just come out. It must be impossible. At some point, yeah. you just give up. Or yeah. uh, there was a, a while ago, there was a, 
uh, on on the news I saw here in Italy uh, that a, a school um, tried to banish uh, phones. So like um, kids in the morning, they would drop their phone into a locker and they would be unable to use the phone uh, during the rest of the day until school was done. Mm-hmm. And it was not met kindly <laughs> uh, well, to, to put it. I'm kind of surprised that kids are allowed to have phones in school. Like oh, we yeah. weren't. Because, I mean, what our problem was, at least where I grew up, the concern was that, like, if you got in a fight at lunchtime, you could call your friends to come down. So it was like, that was why, like, no, we weren't weren't allowed phones for that reason. Um, It surprises me, though, that, that, like, schools, some schools at least allow them. Mm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just seems a bit strange, right? Because it's just like, you're almost, like, asking for distraction, I don't know. Like it, it got it started. iPods was where it really started to like to turn. Sure. I think because it just became too difficult. I mean, uh, when, when I was in high school, everyone had um, tape players, rotary dialing phones. <laughs> rotary dialing. <laughs> Have I ever told you guys the my story for uh, cheating in school using my MP3 player? No. Oh my Come god! So, on. so I was really bad at math. Uh, like really, really bad. Sure. Like uh, we had a grading system, one out of ten, and mm-hmm. all other uh, subjects. I I was very good in school. Like I had uh, eights and nines. Uh, some a few. Were tens. you well behaved? Um, I I was, but also I was constantly cracking jokes. And right. yes, most okay. teachers would not get upset at me because I was really good. My only problem that I I was terrible at math. I had two out of ten. Um, so uh, I was like, I didn't like the subject. I've, I've never been good. Um, but I realized that my teacher was, um, technolo- technologically speaking, ignorant enough that I could trick her into believing that I was better than I actually was. And so my friend and I devised a system where uh, when we had um, tests, the day before, we would use my Acer MP3 player to record our voice uh, reading the book for the subject. Um, we would actually read like the entire chapter of like I don't know logarithms or that kind of stuff. Um, then the following day during the test, so everybody's sitting together in class and we're doing the test. I would say, um, "Hey, Prof, can I uh, can I listen to some music while I do the test because it helps me concentrate?" And she was like, "Yeah, sure, do whatever you want." Um, but it was not music. My friend and I would share the <laughs> the headphones, like the the earbuds, and we were listening to ourselves reading the subject aloud wow. uh, while pretending to wow. listen to music. Like we would tap our hands, we would tap our like uh, feet, Federico, uh, pretending that we were listening to music, but this we were actually listening to my voice reading the book. I yeah. cannot believe that. That is. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Did you record like different files for different chapters? Oh yeah, totally. They were Holy named crap. and put in a folder. Like it was it was an entire job. That um, is so clever. You deserve the grade <laughs> that you got for being so smart, I think. Well, I feel like I, if you cheat well enough, you just deserve it. That's not the lesson that we want to teach as a podcast, I don't think. Sure it is. Sure it is. No one needs math anyway. Math's Despite- pointless. Despite my best efforts to cheat for math tests, um, mm-hmm. when it was like a like a <clears throat> when it was not a written test, my ignorance would show, 
and therefore my final my final uh, grade out of high school we had a system zero to a hundred um my final uh grade was 95 uh and those five points were lost due to math and physics yeah i was really happy with it honestly uh yeah yeah this 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 has been an amazing time Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been alive. more proud of you than I am right now. You've achieved thank a you. lot in your life, but I think that's your best achievement. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. Shall we move on to more <laughs> Enterprise? <laughs> I'm just trying to get back on track. I'm just trying yeah. to... Enterprise certificates. Remember those? Google and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out, uh, according to TechCrunch, was like, by the way, TechCrunch is killing. They're all over They the, are the... destroying this. It's so good. So I'm just going to read the headline. Apple fails to block porn and gambling enterprise apps. So there are some developers, it seems like, who have been using the same system. So again, you can download the enterprise certificate and basically sideload apps onto an iOS device. And they were using them to install, uh, let's call it from now on, adult-themed apps, Mm -hmm. which of course is against uh, basically every single app store policy you can think of. It just seems like something is fundamentally broken with the system that, yeah. that Apple, like this stuff is just going on. They need to 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 start over. Mm. Like this clearly, this clearly is untenable now uh, because they're being made to look like fools at the moment. So they need. To, I don't know what you do, but they need to do something different. Um, I I have no idea how you solve this problem because. You can't really put these apps through review. That's the whole point of the enterprise system existing. But I wonder, I, the middle ground I thought of, and I, I don't know the system well enough to know if this is feasible or people would freak out, but like, I could see Apple saying, you can use enterprise certificates to install apps, but those apps have to be registered with us, you know, maybe not a full blown app store review, but maybe something like test flight review of like, we're making sure that these apps sort of fall in line with what we want for the platform. I could see Apple doing that. I personally think that is probably an overstep of their power to say you can't build this app for like internal use only, but clearly people aren't using it for internal use only. So you got to think Apple's weighing its options on what it could do. What if they like you could only download these apps from uh, an app store account with an associated email domain? So yeah. like you you have to create a you can have multiple accounts, right? And you just have you you it would be on you to check in on it every now and then or whatever. Um, but you could only, for example, get the Facebook enterprise app if your app store account is something at facebook right it has some sort of flag on it saying this is yeah yeah i could see that too because then you know like the um adult app corporation obviously wouldn't get that blessing from apple so they couldn't run and or the amount of effort that you would have to go to 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 still try and trick this system i think is more effort than most people would would want to have to go to sure because apple would have to bless the domain right and then well, you're just going to give people email accounts. So it just seems like too much, right? Like I'm sure that there would still be some abuse as abuse of every system, but that that could do something. Mm. Clearly, they need to find a way to lock enterprise apps down to the companies that it's supposed to be used for because right, right. now it's just too easy to, to be able to get into these systems. 
Yeah, well, like, apparently it's like easy, easier than I thought it was to get a certificate, right? Like this random mm-hmm. group got it, and I mean, there's a there's a an image in the TechCrunch article of an entire home screen full of these types of applications. Like, yeah, clearly I, mean, I don't they're know out about there. you guys, but like I've had um, de- indie developers or just like developers of apps offer me enterprise certificates instead of test flight. Yes. Yeah. Right Which now, is like, not cool. That's not that that should you shouldn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I kind of at first didn't really realize what it was, what it was, but it's more recently I kind of realized what these are, and I'm like, nah, I'm all right, I'll just wait. And there are like uh, entire industries of uh, apps that are not available on the App Store, and that are using certificates. Like emulators are a big example uh, of like something that will never be allowed on the App Store, but you can get on iOS using a certificate or i've seen i cannot remember the name but i've seen um like this um this app that allows you to install tweaks like jailbreak tweaks without a jailbreak on ios and that also uses a certificate like there are all kinds of apps that apple will not approve for the app store that are using this system to circumvent um releasing stuff to consumers and i guess the problem is not necessarily that you know people want to install these kinds of apps and you know you cannot control what people want even if it's questionable content and there's always the solution of well you can just you know if you want to release an emulator for ios uh like provenance for example it's an emulator for nintendo games which is super illegal but still people want it and so you can go to github and download the source code and compile it yourself and install it on your device this is what i do i've done it for the apple tv i've done it for the ipad i've done it for the iphone um but i guess the problem is um when this you know this this method of using using GitHub and Xcode, of course, has a high barrier to entry for most people, and therefore developers use certificates, and that is wrong. So I don't know. Like Apple will never be able to fully prevent people from installing software that doesn't come from the App Store. That's just unrealistic to imagine. But they can probably do something to to make sure that people do not abuse certificates this way. Uh, but I've seen people say, oh, Apple should just outright prevent installation of software that doesn't come from the App Store. And that is a silly proposition. That cannot work. Uh, that cannot if work. Only because develop, developers need to test their software by installing it yes. locally via Xcode. <laughs> so there will be no there will be no apps, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you know, it doesn't work like that. The problem is uh, abusing certificates. That is the only problem, not the fact that you can sideload software on your iOS device in, in other like, ways. It, it works if you are one person or two people making an app, right? Like you can just do what you need to do with Xcode. But if you're a big company. Um, Mm -hmm. like a Facebook or a Google or a Microsoft, right? Like these applications are sent to much, much larger groups and you can't have like every Monday everybody lines up at this person's (laughs) desk and plugs their phone in, right? Like that that cannot work. And that's why the enterprise certificates exist. I mean, like Apple are already blessing these certificates, but then something's going wrong. Maybe they need to be reviewing them. Maybe it's as simple as that. Like they have somebody that reviews the applications distributed by the certificate. Um, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is they're doing right now, that this isn't this isn't it. I don't know. Maybe if you see that a certificate is being installed on uh, fifty thousand devices, maybe something is wrong there. Because who has fifty thousand employees? I mean, it's possible for big Facebook. companies, but you know, it's possible. <laughs> once yeah, you I reach, know, I mean, I, I would be surprised if some of these apps reported by TechCrunch they don't have multiple hundreds of thousands of users. Yes, yes. So, and and like there should be a flag, and if it pops up, right? Like if you don't know the name of that company, then it's bad. You know yeah. the names of them, otherwise, like that you just don't have companies that large, but you, and they're not household names. So. 
There you go, Apple. Just take any of those fixes. <laughs> You're all set. <laughs> I, I fully expect that we will see some change in this program this year. You know, we'll get into the summer or the fall, and Apple will be like, publish the developer forms. Hey, we're changing some things. No reason yeah. why, you know, not yeah. related to anything mm-hmm. that happened before. Uh, we have a little follow out to App Stories episode 98. Hello. Congratulations mm-hmm. on almost hitting 100, by the way. But Thank you. This is about your mixed iOS Mac automation, mm-hmm. which if people haven't been keeping up with this, it is absolutely incredible what you're doing to control your Mac via iOS. It's the video alone where you ask the voice assistant to like set up a podcast recording is <laughs> it, it blows <laughs> my mind, honestly. Yeah, uh, I do that every week now, and it works really well. So the idea would be, um, this is going to be like a multi-part series for the iPad Diaries column that I have on Mac Stories, but the idea is, now that I have this Mac Mini, uh, I figured I I can use the Mac Mini for some tasks that the iPad is not capable of doing. Um, This include, you know, downloading YouTube videos or um, Plex, for example, or Apple Script, which of course is not supported on iOS, but also includes, um, you know, for those few times when I had to use a Mac, such as recording podcasts, I figured maybe I could automate the setup and sort of uh, write a workflow, so to speak, that um, moves and resizes my windows just like I like them. And so this idea of I can still use shortcuts on iOS to trigger these automations, but I'm going to trigger them on the Mac. And on the Mac, they are a different type of automation. They are keyboard maestro macros or Apple script or better touch tool actions or shell scripts and all of that stuff you can trigger from iOS. Um, so, and, and there's also the fact that I'm, uh, I've found this new app to access the, the, Mac, the, the Mac mini as a server for files. So, uh, you know, having my um, downloads folder or my home folder available in the Files app on, on iOS as a file provider extension. That was pretty cool. Uh, That's and, amazing. Yeah. and uh, And the, just the idea of they are sponsoring this week's show, but it's a product that I bought myself and that I enjoy myself, the Luna Display. The idea of um, being able to use my Mac Mini without actually going to my desk and sitting down and using the physical Mac Mini so using macOS like it were an, an app on my iPad, um, and it's so the, the next, yeah, it's and the, the next feeling. installment, <laughs> I know, and the next <laughs> installment I think will be uh, a few tricks that I've learned and the things that I put together to make it easier uh, using Luna Display to control macOS from an iPad because of course you introduce you know by using an iPad you introduce touch, and so you create a few. Um, uh, inconsistencies and a few situations where it doesn't quite line up. And so things that I've done to make it easier to use macOS on the iPad. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, there's a, definitely I, um, there's this nostalgic feeling uh, that, I, that I feel when putting together these things because it's been a few years since I dabbled in uh, Mac automation, you know, Keeper Maestro and Apple Script. And, and the more that I'm that I'm digging back into this stuff, the more I'm like, yeah, I remember doing this, you know, seven years ago. Uh, that was fun, and I'm sort of uh, I'm brushing up again on all of this, and it's uh, it's been uh, quite the learning experience so far. Yeah, I think it's super cool to see these two platforms that have such very different backgrounds, and like you said, like even like scripting paradigms being able to work together is 
it's pretty awesome. It makes it makes me excited to think about what the future of both could be as they as they grow closer together with time. Yeah. Uh just I was using Automator and <laughs> I was like, well, some actions they would be pretty cool to have on iOS in shortcuts. But man, does the entire UI feel more difficult than shortcuts? And I kind of wish that uh, the entire automator was rebuilt as shortcuts for Mac. Um, yeah, it, it hasn't gotten a lot of love. I mean, they've added actions to it over time, but the basic structure of it is the same as it's been since, I guess, whenever it came out, Tiger. You know, it's it's more or less the same application. You could do more with it. You can launch in more places, but... I agree with you. I think it'd be interesting to see them bring some of this modern automation, like thinking and workflows to the Mac. All right. Uh, we have some stuff to talk about. Rumored Apple events, MacBook Airs, hmm. Hmm. Sonos thing. But first, hmm. we'll tell you about our first sponsor. Uh, this episode of Connected is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Copy and paste just isn't a good way to track the things that you type again and again. It's error prone. You can override it accidentally. You need something better. And that's where Text Expander comes in. It makes you more productive by taking care of all those words and phrases you use over and over. It just takes care of them for you. You could store frequently used phrases into snippets and they'll expand with a short abbreviation as you type. So, uh, Example of mine, I end up uh, uh, while I'm on my Mac, you know, doing some like funny uh, character things of like, you know, the guy jumping off the building or someone dancing. And that would be a pain to type every time. I can just have it in Text Expander and uh, expand them out with a simple snippet. And it works in all of my apps, so I can use it anywhere. So Pages, Word, Excel, uh, even like Adobe, like Illustrator and InDesign, basically anywhere you can put text on the Mac, Text Expander can do its thing. And all of your snippets are everywhere because Text Expander instantly updates new and edited snippets between your Mac, iOS devices, and Windows PC. So you can spend less time typing and more time doing what you really want. You can even join free snippet groups for things like job recruiters, freelancers, airport codes, brand names, and more. There's a whole list of them over on the Text Expander website. Uh, my personal favorite is one to put letters inside little circles that someone put together. And I just added that to my Text Expander, and now I have that for those important times where we need to put letters inside circles. The most important times, yes. The, yes, that's a serious <laughs> business time. It's very serious. Uh, and Text Expander, with Text Expander, you don't have to work alone because Text Expander for Teams lets you manage and share snippets uh, with coworkers or an entire company. So everyone's on the same page about the way they format things or common language you send out. It can all be nice and tidy. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast right now and you'll get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash podcast and get 20% off your first year. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we're recording this in the middle of February, and word on the street is that Apple is planning a late March event. So, uh, Mike, do you want to tell us about this story? Yeah, this came from uh, BuzzFeed news uh the technology section of buzzfeed news uh, from john paxkowski and basically according to paxkowski we're looking at hmm let, let's break this down i, I don't want to i kind of want to start with some of the stuff he said's not going to be there <laughs> and and then maybe do some of the stuff that is because this is an interesting rumor but i am i'm a little bit 
I'm not sure about all of it myself. So the 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 gist of it is there's going to be an event at the Steve Jobs Theater on March 25th. And that services, the Apple services, is probably going to be the biggest thing, whatever they end up showing. Uh, Pakskowski said that there won't be new AirPods or the new iPad mini. Uh, He followed that up in a tweet to say that that that's not going to be there. Um, But what he did explicitly call out as headlining the event is the magazine and news service. Let's just... Pause that a second because there's a bunch of other stuff to talk about here. One of the other things that he said in this, it's a relatively short article, which is fine. I mean, he has all the, he's given all the information he has, um, is saying that, uh, and I'll, I'll get a quote here about the video streaming service. So sources describe the event as subscription services focused, but declined to say anything about Apple's standalone video streaming service, which is also rumored to debut in 2019. And I've seen a lot of people take this to be like, well, it's not going to be there then. And I find that to be extremely unlikely. And also that the idea of like, just because somebody declines to say something means that it won't exist. Like, I can see that Paxowski's source gave him a lot of information, right? Like the date, you know, like the location, stuff that's not going to be there, some stuff that is going to be there, but said nothing about this or declined to talk about this. My feeling is there could be a million reasons for that. Like it reminds me of um, the original kind of like Apple TV thing where Apple wasn't sure if they were going to launch it or how they were going to launch it, like the actual kind of the the, the update to Apple TV or TVOS because they didn't sign the deals that they wanted. And, the, and so it was all up in the air. And it may be that some stuff's up in the air, but it seems super strange to me to have an event for services and just talk about the new subscription service, which, according to the other rumors that we're going to get to, seems like it's not even really going to have any major players in it. So I am still standing personally with the idea that the headlining thing of any spring event or any event, in my opinion, between now and WWDC is Apple's video streaming service. So if they do one in March, I think that they still show it off them. Yeah, if only by virtue of entertainment being a more marketable event than news. Like more people yes. care about TV shows and movies than they care about the news. Let's just yes. face it. Um, it seems it wild would... to bring everybody to Cupertino to just show off a news service. <laughs> For a bunch of magazines, really. Yeah. With all due respect to magazines, but it's not a good... Uh, you know, this is going to be a public event. It's going to be live streamed. And if magazines and news are the only event, it's going to be a boring one. Uh, so I would be really surprised if this TV and original content stuff that Apple has been working for the past, to Mike, you can correct me, three years, two years? Um, yeah, I think it's been about two years in public. If they have nothing to show at this point, I would be very surprised, especially if they want to do like an event focused on services. This would be the perfect opportunity to present their new and modern and, and you know, more extensive uh, service strategy. So then again, uh, BuzzFeed News, they have good sources and mm-hmm. it makes it interesting. Uh, why would the source not confirm the TV stuff? I have no idea, but I agree with Mike. It would be super strange if it's just the news, especially considering the rumor that is going on about what this news service is, is all about. So my, my one theory, which is just a complete theory and could just be, and is obviously rubbish because I'm just making it up, is that 
the TV service probably isn't launching any, like, it, it, very soon. I reckon if when they do show it, they're just going to show it and be like, it's coming. And that maybe this person works in marketing and there is no marketing for this service yet because it's not launching where maybe everything else is. I don't know. That's my only theory. So let's talk about the magazine and news service. So the event specifically calls out that this is where we're going to see it. And this is on the same time that there is a Wall Street Journal article uh, reporting that Apple is telling, currently still, probably it seems, telling news organizations that their plan is to keep, I quote, about half of the subscription revenue from their upcoming service. The other 50% will then be divided up amongst publishers according to the total time users are spending reading content. So more engagement, more money, which is the logical way to do that, but we'll get to the 50% part in a minute. It's currently rumored that the price for the service will be about $10 a month standalone. There will probably be a bundle, right? And then I don't, then what happens when it's bundled? That's like a whole other mess. Um, as it stands right now, according to the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post and the New York Times are two of the largest publishers who have not agreed to this deal. Um, understandably, as well, and I totally get this, publishers are also concerned that they won't get any subscriber data after giving away 50% of their revenue. I understand that. Like my, uh, and I tweeted this yesterday. I'm a, you know, compared to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, I'm a small publisher. Um, and from from my perspective, fifty percent seems just insane, especially because in 2019 there are so many different solutions to roll your own paywalls or subscriptions or memberships, whatever you want to call them. Um, and so I look at this from from two different perspectives. If you're a big publisher, if you're the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, you likely don't need the exposure that Apple provides. The only argument in favor of this is the convenience of people trusting their iTunes payment system compared to signing up for your own system. So instead of subscribing to, to the Times via the Times website, you can do it from Apple News. And you trust Apple and all of that. Um, but otherwise, you don't need the exposure that Apple provides because you're the Times, you maybe don't want to give away 50% just for distribution, uh, especially because this is going to, you know, this platform, it's not like it's provided for free. There's costs involved with optimizing your content for Apple News. You're going to have developers that have to, uh, you know, follow a different markup specification, for example. So it's not like it's provided for free, yep. that it just happens. You have to you work. straight up know they're not going to make it easy. No, no. Right, because they judging never from, have. Judging from the current Apple News format, which is yeah. a spec that you can read up, it's available online, it's not easy. So you're going to have developers to work on this and you're going to give away 50%. Um, and also, if you're a big publisher, you may say, well, okay, so it's a, it's a high fee, but then people trust Apple, we're on Apple News. Uh, I suppose we can give away 50% and then we can use those customers for other promotions, sort of to, you know, to cross-promote newsletters or that type of stuff. But no, because Apple doesn't want to give you access to, to the email address or data of these people. So it's a very, uh, it's a very costly proposition for, for a big publisher. For a small publisher like me, it's just absurd. Because I I don't have you know millions of subscribers like the Times you or the you cannot make it up at scale. I cannot make it up with scale. I the numbers just don't add up. Um, mm -hmm. And also technologically speaking, why would I lose fifty percent 
and also invest time on optimizing this content, which means, you know, a developer and making sure that everything works, um, to have my content in a proprietary system. Because, you know, we got a bunch of people that want to read Club Mac stories on, on Windows PCs and that kind of stuff. Um, but no, this will be exclusive to Apple devices. When it's so much easier for me to save money and have my content available in, a, in an open format, whether it's a, an email newsletter or a web page on my own website. Um, this would have made sense in 2010 when things like Stripe or MailChimp or Memberful or Patreon or all other kinds of membership and payments offer did not exist, but now they do. And it's so much easier for a small publisher to 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 pay like 5% or 10% then 50% commission to make this happen it just i cannot i can't believe that apple wants to do this but i will be very skeptical of small publishers jumping on board uh just because it's apple news and just because it's cool uh because this to me is uh you know it's a prime example of something that you're going to regret if it if this is true of course if this rumor is true and that's yeah, we the, don't know we don't we, know but it seems seems possible. I want to read you a quote from the press release uh, when Apple bought Texture. So this this is Eddie Q saying, uh, "We are committed to quality journalism from trusted sources and allowing magazines to keep producing beautifully designed and engaging stories for users." So, like that is a position that that Apple have, have posed themselves as like caring about quality journalism, but then they want to take fifty percent of the these companies' money away from them. It Look how much they care. They care so much they want 50%. Like, if this is true, again, we don't know. If this is true, it feels greedy. It's just greedy, right? Like, I can't work out why they would need 50% from magazines, but 30% from app developers. You or know really, what? 15% from app developers if they're doing exactly. a subscription, which is what this is. Like... It's really, really wild to me. And I can't fathom how this helps Apple because the amount of money they will actually make from this will not make a huge difference to the services revenue. I cannot imagine that this part of their overall plan, like the news and magazines part, is what will make them the most money. Like, I I can't understand where 50% comes from. Like, the, the... the, like I've seen a lot of people talking about this. Like I follow a lot of journalists, right? So like people have been like super mad over the last twenty four hours, and was one I can't remember who I, I I saw say this originally, but I've seen a bunch of people say it. it was like Apple now is not seen as being the same company as iTunes Store Apple. Mm-hmm. Like they they're not providing as much benefit. As they think they are anymore, nor do they, nor are they like the scrappy upstart that you're willing to give a little bit more money to. Nope. Like they're not that company anymore, and like I, I kind of, I'm like shocked about that amount. Like it's almost I feel like it can't be true because it just seems way too unrealistic. It seems like like the, the situation where in a meeting with an executive, they would just laugh in your face when you bring up the number. Yes. Like, you must yes. be kidding, right? You must be kidding. Uh, yes. Like, someone sitting down, like, Eddie Q sitting down with, like, the person in charge of, like, the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. And, like, they just, like, do a spit take over the... Like, it's just like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, why would we give you this money? Yeah. And yeah. if you keep on... Like, 
anyone who, who follows, for example, video game news, uh, you must know that we live in a in a in an era where there's a whole debate going on whether the thirty percent fee that mm-hmm. certain game companies like Valve with Steam or like Apple with the App Store, they keep from developers, whether that's acceptable or not. And we're seeing, sure enough, a move toward more uh, sustainable fees, uh, for example, with the Epic Game Store, uh, you know, and what, what's it? 12% or 10%? Even yeah, I, I something think like it, that? it differs dependent on the amount of money that you make, but that's kind of like an average... There's already a debate in other industries related to to software and mobile software whether in in 2019 the the economy of scale m- makes you know justifies thirty uh, percent commission or whether these companies are keeping this old commission because they're greedy. So thirty percent, I think, to ask thirty percent of the Times and other publishers, that will already be high enough. But to almost double that, because 50% is almost double that, uh, it's just insane. Uh, I can, I, 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 like I said, I want to believe it is not true, because if it is, uh, I don't know what to say. I think it's important, too, to think about where media has been with tech companies over the last five years. So you had Facebook going to these companies and saying, hey... Uh, we're going to do this video platform. We can, we yes. can get you all these views. Turns out those numbers were completely inflated, and we saw massive layoffs as companies had to basically fire all their video people. Uh, this comes on the heels of things like BuzzFeed laying off a lot of people, Vice laying off a lot of people. The media industry is bleeding, and that has been true for a long time. That was true. That was part of the conversation back in 2010 or 2011 when Apple was like, oh, uh, you can ship your newspaper and magazines in in the iPad, and it's going to be great. And it didn't work then. It's not going to work now because Apple is unwilling to play the way these companies want them to play the money, the, the customer data. Like, And that's fine, I guess, but it, it is important to realize that like these media companies need something, but I don't think this is it. Right? I don't think this is going to be the thing that saves them because – there's a whole history of things like this that haven't worked, and this so far is no different. I, I cannot get my head around this the whole thing. Yeah, I, mean, I still it, think it's not true. I mean, it cannot be true. It uh-huh. has to be not true, right? It's like the only way that you can accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yes. cannot. I, I just cannot understand how you can go with a straight face to the New York Times and ask for fifty percent for distribution on Apple News. It just, I don't know. It's we'll see. I guess. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just one. It's one of those things where they they leak the information. I don't know. Just to, to to see the reaction of people. I don't know. No idea. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, maybe that someone said thirty, but they heard on the phone is fifty, and that's the story, right? But it, I just maybe maybe it's fifteen, and they heard fifty. Yeah, that, that would be way better. Uh, but you know, I just like. All of these, you know, all of these reasons would be enough when you add up. Like these, these publishers want customer data. The price cut's too big. It's a bunch of work for them to support the Apple News format. Like any one of these things would be enough for somebody like the New York Times to say no. But add it all together, like New York Times actually has, like they just had a, something a couple of weeks ago about like their publisher uh, or publishing base, and like the money they're making, like. They're okay. The Washington Post is fine. Like, and so you take them off the table, and then you move downstream. 
then the deal gets worse for like medium and small publishers. And I just don't know. I don't know what publisher is looking at this thinking, oh, this is a great deal for me and my readers. And this is going to be good for my business. Cause like, yeah. I just don't see an upside for them. I, I really that don't. Is a, that is a very good point, right? That like the only companies that are likely to take a deal with these kinds of terms are companies that are already struggling for money. And then you're taking half of the money away from them anyway. Or like it's more it's it is more likely that they don't have a fr- a thriving business of their own in subscription revenue, right? Because otherwise, why on earth would you do this? Like, no company that has good subscription revenue is going to jump into this and give half of it away to Apple, because you know Apple's going to do what they do with with other companies and be like, well, now you can't promote your own, right? Like they're the terms of the deal, right? That like. You can you can do this here or you can do it over there on your own, but your app can't have it in anymore. And like any of the content that comes into our system can't talk about yours. Right. So, yeah, it's. I, I also this is so this is how it, this conversation leads into the event. Right. If this is the headlining feature of the event, what <laughs> publishers do they actually have? No idea. And that's why I find it. Just why I'm struggling to to believe that this is all the event is for, because I'm sure that they're going to have some great publications, but they're not going to have the ones that you're either already paying for or the ones you want to pay for, because they are most likely already doing okay enough on their own. So, what was the deal years ago? You guys remember this with the daily? Remember the daily? The iPad magazine with yeah. oh my god yeah <laughs> what was that all about what was the deal it was, was like... it was uh, owned by News Corporation I think yes yes and Rupert Rupert Murdoch was on stage at yeah. some point I think and and oh. basically um, I think they basically just lost like a pile of money they hired a staff and wrote you know did this app and everything. It was and like an iPad-only magazine. What was like the thing about it? There was it, something the, about the it. The Daily was the world's first iPad-only news app in the US yeah, and Australia owned by News Corp. And it shut down, we have an article on Mac Stories, on December 2012. So it didn't oh, last two, two years, real long. Two years, yeah. Man. Okay, like, if you are a publisher, this is less true now than it was in 2010, but if you do all this work to only target a single platform whether it be just ios or just apple you know because news is on the mac and everything now like that's a big that's a big user base but it's not big enough to build a news corporation on it right it's not big enough to to fund a newspaper like you have to go broader than just that and again like another blow against this like if there was some way that apple news could just like go to your site and do it all for you that'd be one thing but as we've seen with our own stuff, supporting the Apple News format isn't necessarily the easiest thing in the world. And it's so I, I actually don't do it on 512. I just have it suck in the RSS feed and I have no idea who reads it there, but it's there. But because it wasn't even worth for me as an investment, like it's just not enough people, it's not enough money, it's not enough control. Like, why would you do it? Maybe, maybe we're all wrong. Maybe it's maybe it's 0.50% and everything's amazing. It would be interesting, like as a consumer, to have one place. Like I just opened the news app, and everything I want is there. Right. But- it would be great. But this and this is what Apple's telling to these people, right? Everyone wants this, so we'll take half of it off you because we're the place that people want to go to. But I don't think it's worth that. 
Because the thing is, if all these big publishers say they're not going to do it, then it's not that one place. So then Apple doesn't win. Like this is, it's like a, you familiar with the phrase, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face? Yeah, well, we don't use the nose, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's, I don't even want to know. Uh, so it's like, that that's kind of the situation that they're in. By like setting the bar so high, they're not going to be able to provide the benefit that people will are actually looking for to make this an attractive proposition. Yeah, I mean, also, let's be honest. If you like the New York Times enough or if you're really into the Wall Street Journal, chances are you're fine with subscribing through their website because you like them enough that it's you, you go to the website every day and mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal um, and I never go to the Wall Street Journal. I can, but now I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. I can read these articles and people tweet them. The, mm-hmm. the, oh, it's the perfect reason for me, right? Like, how, how much do you pay for that, by the way? I do not remember. I think it's like $15 a month or something. Oh, okay. Not too um, bad. Okay. But but like I find the Wall Street Journal's content to be really good, like this one. And basically I found myself talking about, reading about, and sharing links to people writing up the Wall Street Journal's articles. And I felt bad about that. So I subscribed to the Wall Street Journal so I could read them there. Hmm. So that was why I did it. Way to be Whew. a good citizen of the world, Mike. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying why I did it, right? Like, yeah. So no, no hardware, no AirPods, like all this other stuff. Just later, is that what we're I'm going sub- with? I would be. I mean, I would totally understand if they didn't have a new iPad Mini. But no, no new AirPods does seem strange. But maybe... no Air Power seems strange. No, oh, that on. seems correct. <laughs> oh, come correct, on, correct, correct, and accurate. If if they did announce Air Power right now. That would be strange. <laughs> that that would be outside of the normal. But uh, just gonna reload the Apple newsroom real quick and make sure that hasn't happened. I'll be uh, so if they're ever gonna no. do it. That's when I want it to happen. I want it to happen yeah. while we're recording this you show. You two have lost your faith in Apple. Wow. Yeah, I'm so sad. I have for this so specific sad. thing. I yeah. lost it a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. We'll, we'll see. Is that it? So I guess we'll see if there's an invite in a month or so. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a ways away. Yeah, I mean, six mm-hmm. weeks. It's far enough out where, mm-hmm. like, we'll maybe forget about the story. And be like, oh, there's an event. Oh, crazy. All right. Uh, we have more stuff to talk about, but I'm going to tell you about our second sponsor. This episode of Connected is brought to you by our awesome friends at Luna Display. They are the makers of the only hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. That means you'll have a second display that's super portable with basically zero lag and gorgeous image quality. Uh, one of my favorite things about Luna Display is how nice the hardware is. Like it's this little dongle, you plug it into your Mac and I unplugged mine and have it here on my desk. And it's, it's a nice object. It's really nicely designed. They did a really good job with it. Sometimes you see these sort of things and there's a hardware component and they, they cheaped out on it. Luna Display built a really nice adapter. Setting up extra screens can be fiddly, but Loon Display couldn't be easier. You just plug in that little hardware, that little nice adapter into your Mac, and you're good to go. Everything just works over Wi-Fi. But if you're a busy person, maybe you're traveling without Wi-Fi, you can connect directly via USB as well. It's all super simple to set up, and you'll, you're going to absolutely love the extra screen real estate it gives you. Luna Display is a complete extension 
to your Mac. It supports external keyboards as well as the Apple Pencil and touch interactions. It basically turns your Mac into a touchscreen device. And that all-new Liquid Video Engine that the recent update brought, it brings significantly reduced latency and a faster screen refresh rate. It, this thing feels native. I'm so impressed that it's done over wireless. Listeners of Connected can get an exclusive 10% discount on Luna Display. Just go to lunadisplay.com and enter the promo code CONNECTED at checkout. That's lunadisplay.com and promo code CONNECTED at checkout. So head over there now to upgrade your setup. You're going to love it. Lunadisplay.com, promo code CONNECTED, 10% off. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Stephen... Um, have you flip-flopped to the MacBook Air? Is that where you've currently landed? <laughs> if not, you did I'm you sell your iMac Pro and buy yeah. a MacBook Air? Well, I, well, see the thing is you, re, you you I know that you bought one for uh your wife Mary and you seem to like it very much in your review. So my only assumption is that you are merely minutes away from from buying one for yourself and selling your MacBook Pro. No, I, I am using the MacBook Pro because it's a quad-core 13-inch machine, and I need that okay. power when I'm doing audio and video work out of my office. Yeah. So like, the MacBook Pro is the machine for me with my specific needs where I am mm-hmm. in my career. But I think the MacBook Air has the potential, at least, if it's not there already, to become the default Mac notebook again. So after... 2010 or so when they refreshed the macbook air became that wedge shape they got rid of the the weird 13 inch with the flip down door and the ipod hard drive and they made the macbook air that we're all thinking of it became the default mac notebook for almost everybody so if you were a student or a user at home or an office unless you were doing something like video production the macbook air met everyone's needs because it was light and portable it was pretty fast, especially later models, and it had all SSD storage, which made it feel way faster than it actually was because we were all used to, you know, machines with spinning hard drives, and the MacBook Air was the first Mac to go all SSD. But over time, that we know what happened, right? The MacBook came out, the Air just got older and older and was just hanging around. When they released the 2016 MacBook Pros, that the MacBook, uh, I know Federico really likes the nicknames, the Escape, which is the two-port MacBook, but Marco Marco named it. I was wondering what was going to happen first. Either you were going to tease him or he was going to get upset about it. Yeah. Thank you for answering that for me. So Use real names. Come on. The MacBook Pro two Thunderbolt three ports, all parentheses, that machine, the two-port MacBook Pro, it was pitched in the keynote by Phil Schiller as, hey, you used to buy a MacBook Air, now we have this. Ignore the fact that it's $400 more expensive, but hey, what about this? And it, people, it just didn't go anywhere. People didn't respond to that very well. I know there are people who really like that machine. I really like that machine because I don't care for the touch bar, but it clearly hasn't done what Apple wanted it to do. And uh, and then a couple years later, now we're in the present and we have this new macbook air which like my headline was getting the band back together like it's kind of trying to relive the glory days which was my alternative headline of like the macbook air was really good for a long time let's modernize it see if we can like bring that magic back uh, a little bit so uh so that's kind of where we are it's not my machine is my wife's machine she really likes it she's she was coming from a 2015 macbook with a brief stint of like a 2013 imac which um i put ssd in for her but she wanted to go to a notebook so so yeah, that's kind of where we are. 
It's a lot of talking, but the backpack here is great. It's not for me personally, but it could be for, I think, almost anybody. This is a very different opinion to your original opinions about the MacBook Air. What was my original? You, I put this. You, I saw this in the notes, and I don't know what I said originally. You were very anymore. upset about the MacBook Air because of the originally. CPU. Because of the CPU, yeah. So, so let's talk about the CPU. It is the only Mac that I can think of, in definitely in like modern Apple since like the late '90s, that is only has one CPU option. So it's like buying an iPad, where like you just get the CPU that comes in it. And that's really unusual, right? Most Macs, you can kind of pick between several. So it's a 1.6 gigahertz dual core i5. Uh, It does have turbo boost, a 3.6 gigahertz. So it's sort of a mid-range CPU. And there was a lot of debate when this came out. Is it five watts? Is it seven watts? Does it have a fan? So it is a seven watt CPU and it does have a fan. The, The MacBook Air has a fan, unlike the MacBook. It's a little single fan. You can hear it under load, but it's fine. In reality, I was really pleasantly surprised that this MacBook Air feels fast. I was worried that especially under load, you know, it was going to kind of chug and, and and stutter. And the reality is it just doesn't. It It is – now, I'm, I didn't do any 4K video editing on it, but that's not what this machine is for, I don't think. I'm sure you mm-hmm. could do it. It'd probably be slow. But – in everyday use, which is who this machine is for, it's totally fine. Like it is speedy, it's quiet, uh, the battery life is really good, and so it, it it has made me a believer, so to speak. Where I, I definitely had my doubts before, but uh, I see what they're doing with it, and I'm I'm fine with it. I can change my mind. It's fine. No, it's fine to change your mind. Yeah, but I'm 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 pleased that you have right because that's you know this is a good. I think this is a good-looking machine. Like, I feel like if I was in need of a laptop today, it's probably the one that I would get. Like, there is enough power in it to do what I would need to do, I think, considering how infrequently I would be using it. Um, But, you know, this is really just for if I am going to be on a trip and I need to record some shows. Like, for example, I'm taking a trip next month, too, actually, where I need to do that. So I'm going to have to have my MacBook Pro with me. Um but I wouldn't necessarily need a MacBook Pro, so I guess I could save a little bit of money and maybe gain a little bit of portability. I know it's like thinner at mm-hmm. one edge and it's a bit lighter. Um, so that's probably what I would be maximizing for is mm-hmm. the ability to be able to move the thing around, uh, which is why I originally went with the MacBook, right? But ran into some issues with the yeah, MacBook's the, the abilities. The performance there is not, is not nearly as good. The, um, the portability is interesting. It is... Lighter than the 13-inch MacBook Pro, but not by not by much. But it, it tricks you. The wedge shape is so nice to hold and nice to have in your bag. Like it it feels thinner than it is. In fact, the air is a hair thicker than the MacBook Pro at the hinge if you put them like back to back, which is just hilarious to me. But yeah, I think I think even if you're doing what we do with like podcast production, you could do podcast production on a, on a machine like this. Uh, it wouldn't be as fast as a MacBook Pro to export, but it wouldn't be a nightmare by any means. Mm-hmm. Definitely way better than the five watt single port MacBook. Do you think that the MacBook Air, this current MacBook Air, has a different average customer to the previous MacBook Airs? I think the previous MacBook Air. If you wanted to buy a laptop, especially say like tw- let's say 2011 and later, you know after they've been out mm-hmm. for about a year and people kind of understood what it was, I think it's the one you bought. 
like unless you needed a MacBook Pro. Like you you started here and then you upgraded to a Pro if you you know were doing video production or, or something like that. Now I think it's it's more confusing. I think A, because this machine is new and it hasn't sort of settled in yet that this is a really good laptop. Like it's way better than I thought it would be. I was totally impressed with it and I didn't I expected to write this review and have a lot more like sadness about it than I did. I think it can get there again. I think it's going to take Apple continuing to update it, you know, annually or every 18 months or whatever they're doing now. And I think it's going to take some clarification around the two port MacBook Pro. That machine is faster than this. It has an older CPU, has the older keyboard. It does not have touch ID and this machine does. I don't know why that computer is still for sale, except that the touch bar makes the machine too expensive. And uh, I, I would think, I think I would be okay, honestly, if the line went MacBook, MacBook Air, touch bar, and they got rid of the two port, even though that would mean a pretty big price jump, it would clarify things at least saying, okay, if you're this kind of user, this is the machine for you. If you're not, we have this other one. And they just don't have that because... Apple is afraid of leaving any price points untouched. And I think that's a mistake ultimately with this line. Yeah, I mean, it's often said at the moment and has been more and more echoed, especially in the last few months of the year. But price is the complicating factor. And this MacBook Air is about $200 yes. too expensive. Agreed. And that is a, a significant issue. And I think is one of the reasons that maybe this machine isn't getting the love that it that it could deserve like yeah. at that price this machine would be no brainer but if it started at 999 for the current specs like don't put like a 32 gig ssd in it or something or something silly like current base model was a thousand dollars i think everyone would be praising this machine but right now mm-hmm. i feel like i did it in the review i feel like i have to temper that with it's really confusing with the other models all priced the same and uh, maybe you don't get as much bang for your buck as you as you could get in the past. Yeah, I feel like the last maybe 10 years has kind of ingrained in me that if a laptop is over $1,000, it's one of two reasons. It's either groundbreaking in some way, which this mm-hmm. one is not, no, it's or not. it is a pro machine, which this one is not. Correct. So if, you're, if I'm going to be paying a four-figure sum for a laptop from Apple, I expect it to be one of those two things. And the right. MacBook Air is not that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you if you spec them all with the same SSD and RAM, the MacBook, the Air, and the Pro are all very close, if not exactly the same price. And mm-hmm. you know, I've said it a thousand times, but like, if you walk into a store with twelve hundred dollars in your pocket to buy a notebook, you have no idea what to do. It's like, uh, and you just kind of like, you know, pick one at blind, and that that's not the way to shop for a computer. And Apple's got to clear that up. Um, one thing before before we move on from this, uh, the the keyboard is the is because I I got some questions about this after the review, so I want to say it here too. The keyboard is exactly the same as the 2018 MacBook Pro. So typing on the Air and then turning and typing on my MacBook Pro, which is a 2018, they feel exactly the same. They have the little silicone uh, you know job underneath to try to keep crumbs out. They sound the same. They travel the same. I don't hate that keyboard, but I certainly don't love it, but it's fine. I've gotten used to it over the years, but it has the same exact same keyboard. The only difference is it has the function keys 
which like I just love. Like I I I am cooler on the touch bar now than I ever have, especially after using this machine for a couple of weeks. But having Touch ID is fantastic and I want to see them continue to push that. I'd like to see it on the external keyboards. I'd like to see honestly like there is like an alternative future. I don't really buy that this is happening, so it's not a prediction, but I could see a world where they fix some of this pricing by getting rid of the touch bar and the MacBook Pro starts at, you know, 14.99 or something with Touch ID and four ports. Like and and they can sort of fix the pricing that way because my understanding is the touch bar is one reason these new machines are so expensive. Whether that's actually true or not, you know, I don't have the spreadsheet obviously, but I've heard that from enough people over the years that I, I buy it and getting rid of it. Like I, I know there are those of you out there who really like the touch bar and who are doing like crazy things with better touch tool and all these things. But I think for the average user, even someone like me, who I'm not an average user, I'm a professional user. It just does, hasn't changed my workflow, right? Like if I edit in logic on my laptop, I have like play pause and all these tools and stuff on the touch bar and that just don't matter. Like I just, I, I have not found a compelling use case for it. When I'm typing, the autocorrect can't keep up with my typing. By the time I'm done with a sentence, I'm like three words past the thing it's trying to correct. It's, it's just, it's frustrating at best. And so most of the time I just leave it as the, you the expanded thing with the volume keys and stuff. And I, I just don't think it's taken off. And I think this machine kind of proves it. I mean, they couldn't put it in it for price reasons or, or thickness reasons, but this machine's a really good computer. And at no point in using this MacBook Air for the last couple of weeks have I thought, man, I really wish I had the touch bar. Like I really feel compromised in my experience because mm-hmm. I don't have it. And that's pretty bad, right? For something that Apple pitched as like the future of the notebook. This machine is better than the Pro in a lot of ways. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that that's not there. And they're just getting you ready for that old glass keyboard, which is oh, coming. Oh, no. And then you'll be fine. So yeah, that's the MacBook Air. Uh, it's it's nice. It's a modern machine. has thin bezels. You can get it in silver and space gray and the new gold color. Uh, my wife got it in silver because she's a traditionalist. I think it looks really good in silver. But um, I, I would say if you have a, you know an old MacBook Air that's 2011, 2012, 2013, and you're thinking, hey, it's time, I'd start with this. I totally recommend it as long as you're not doing like video production or something. Like you're just doing kind of normal user stuff. Even if you're doing photo editing or graphic design or maybe even some audio work, it should be able to handle all of it. It's got a retina display. It's not as bright as the pros, but that's fine. No true tone, but that's fine. It's uh, it's like a really nicely specced machine. Like I feel like they made the I feel like they made the right compromises with this, and that's kind of refreshing to say about a Mac notebook these days. You are you excited, Federico? Are you excited about the MacBook Air? Um, yes. You're still here. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm excited for you. Um, you should be excited for Mary. It's her laptop. Well, I know you're gonna get one anyway, so that's how it goes. <laughs> no, no, you're just delaying the inevitable. That's what yep. you're doing. It, we if all it was it. if it was as fast as it is, but weighed half what my Pro did. You will find a reason to get it. No, I I like having a quad-core 13-inch I'm not saying that you don't like it. I'm saying you're going to like an additional one because uh, Mm -mm. it's what you do. I don't know. I've definitely not done that with phones recently. That's that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about that. Sure. Let's move on. You can't do that. You can't just be like, ah, blah, blah, blah. No. Federico did it about iPads for weeks. (laughs) Yeah, but at least said what it was that he'd done. And then yeah. we just didn't talk about it. Sure. 
So you're going to say I, what you've done? I, what I'm saying is I know my flaws. So <laughs> I'm upfront about it. And you know my flaws, clearly. <laughs> Why well, then talk about it then? This is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> next week. Okay, next week I'll talk about phones. I promise. Okay. okay. All right. One little story before we move on. Uh, and it's really a, it's a weird one. Yesterday, Mac Rumors published an article. And uh, the headline again, WBC 2019 dates confirmed, colon. Confirmed. Confirmed. Hmm. I have a real problem with that choice of words. June 3rd through 7th in San Jose. And then they updated it. So uh, what happened here? Confirmed is the wrong word. Apple has not oh, announced WBC hmm. dates. Yes. I, I believe these are the dates, but Apple hasn't said it. So that's the wrong verb, Mac Rumors. Uh, but what happened is they uh, were depends. digging through. It but it's close it's enough the, this time. It's close enough. It's, it's the right word if you want it's, people to click on it. Right. <laughs> also, the way that it was discovered, <laughs> oh, like, I, I see the, the, the verb confirmed thrown around uh, for things that are like rumors. Well, it's but like uh, the word breaking. Right. Yes, this in this case, I feel like it's more like a gray area because it is still a rumor and it's not being confirmed by Apple. But as we'll see in 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 a second, Stephen, where was this discovered? <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Mac rumors went to the 2019 event calendar for the city of San Jose's Office of Cultural <laughs> Affairs. I applaud the ingenuity of yes. this reporting yes. so strongly. This is so clever and like so sneaky. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's brilliant. I think that the, the hats off to Mac Rumors for working this one out, I think. So what, what happened here is the, uh, the bash happens at a park called Discovery Meadow. It's yes. a wonderful name for a park, really. <laughs> I love that name. And that's apparently managed somehow by the city of San Jose's Office of Cultural Affairs. And so they had on their public schedule on their website, June 6, 6 to 11 p.m., uh, Team San Jose 2019 WWDC with Apple.com listed as the URL. And uh, <laughs> and Apple, like as the organization, like as well above it, not just it, the URL. It just it's says just Apple slash Team San Jose. Team clear, San Jose clear clearly day. being the code name. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what's supposed to appear. Yeah. Here's the thing about code names, Apple. Team San Jose. Here's the thing. A, that's a terrible code name, right? Terrible, like, yeah. You just put team in front of the name of the city you're in. That's awful. But, like, code names should be aloof, right? Like, you got to be cool to know the code name. Yeah, like Project Porridge, for example. That, mm -hmm. That's my new code name for things. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be something that people cannot, you know, uh, <sighs> glean from. Why are mm -hmm. we in this podcast now? I just don't understand. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. So anyway, so this seems like a pretty surefire thing. It was it was in the this calendar last year apparently, and uh, so Mac stories Mac sorry Mac rumors published this with a fine print that I just have to read to you because it's the best fine print I've ever seen on a blog post. So good. While we are confident about these dates, comma Apple could change its plans any time. Mac rumors can't be held responsible for any airfare or accommodations booked based on this information. I love it, but I do, I do say, this 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 line. I see people say it's like Apple could change its plans, and it, no, it can't. It no, cannot. Not at this it point. cannot. Like 
this is categorically incorrect, right? No, they cannot change it. The next day, it. it's the downtown farmer's market. They can't compete with that. Can't compete with that. Mm-hmm. But like, I just mean like in general, if Apple has booked anything for WWDC, they cannot change that. Like, no, I don't think people understand how planning these events work. Like, yeah. Uh, it's it's they said you know people saying oh it's it's not confirmed until Apple says it's confirmed. <laughs> I mean sure in most cases I would say that for WWDC rumors, but when you find the, the considering name of there the is event one booking right like if they had <laughs> four different dates booked at this place then sure they can change it they're covering their bases, but if this really is them which let's be real it really is them because mm-hmm. it got changed. Right, the fact that it got changed and well, it now just could, says Team San Jose. Be, could be Apple Records and their San Jose department, you know? That's true. That's sure. And true. It's, a, it's, a, it's a music venue, so they could be mm-hmm. them, Apple Records. Could just be those. But, yeah. So, like, you know, this this is probably, this is definitely when the dates are. This is when they are. We just yes. haven't had Apple confirm it yet. Uh, but, excuse uh, me, I need to say something. Yes. While we are not confident about these dates, Apple could change its plans <laughs> at any time. Connected and Relay FM LLC can't be held responsible for any airfare or accommodations booked based on this information. Very true. That is very mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Uh, we will turn uh, just very quickly to... This is brought up all the time now, and I understand why. Everything's super expensive. So the hotels are really expensive now because of this. I would just say it's not just because of this. I have... Well, me and Federico have bookings on multiple weeks in the month of June. We did this a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And for a room in the same hotel that is smaller than the previous room, it is twice the price of last year. Mm-hmm. This is just what happens. It, it, you know, I really wish that it didn't happen. Um, I would love it if Apple could do something about it, but it's not going to happen because, like, like, you know, this is what, this is what hotels are going to do. I don't blame the hotels. Right. Yeah, there was some uh, some tweeting and stuff yesterday before I just quit Twitter for the day about like, oh, it's like bad because it's in the Bay Area and this happened. Like, this will happen in any city. This yeah. will happen yes. anytime there's a big conference. It is a little worse in San Jose because San Jose is not very big and your hotel choices are limited. But if this were in basically any city. You know, this is just what happens with conferences and and with trade I mean, shows, right? Have people ever traveled around Christmas or New Year's Eve or any other holiday? Or like, go to WDC <laughs> in San Francisco, where there are a approximately two billion more hotels, and this happened there too, right? So, like, oh, San I guess Francisco Apple hotels could are just... a joke all the time. They're always massively expensive. Like yeah. the only way to solve this problem is to go to a place which probably doesn't exist that has more hotels so that the hotels will never sell out. That's the only way you can do this. But I yeah. don't think such a place exists. Or Apple just picks a new city every year and they just surprise the city, right? Like, yeah. but- you, can go, you, you can go to Viterbo and you're going to have that situation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there a lot of hotels? Oh, no. Sorry. Like, look... <laughs> Please do not misunderstand what we are saying here. This is like cost prohibitive for so many people. And that is a great shame. It is a great shame. Um, And I wish it wasn't that way. I genuinely wish that Apple could kind of throw their weight around and like put a cap on these 
hotels or, to be like if you want us to keep coming back this is the maximum you can charge you can't go above this right like i wish that they could do that for all we know they are doing that right like i don't know what the situation is like at least make the ticket um, more affordable yes the ticket should be more affordable at least don't make the ticket fifteen hundred dollars you know yes that that's definitely something that they are within that they have within their control because come on what does it matter if they're out of pocket on this event Right, which they mm-hmm. probably are anyway, but like they can yeah. afford it. Like this is not, you know. Ta- so take I it out of the that. lunch, uh, out of the lunch budget. It's fine. Yeah, it's no well, problem. John said so he will be fine. This is this is a great. It is a great shame that it is that way, but I understand why it is that way, and it's always going to be this way no matter yes. where they go. But it, it's frustrating, and I and I totally understand. I mean, I understand as somebody who is paying the money. Like, uh, sure. you would not believe the amount of money this trip cost me. Like because we are also flying from Europe, which is already a four-figure sum, right? Mm-hmm. Before we're even getting to the hotels, which is another four-figure sum. And then, mm-hmm. as a company that books event spaces, all the event spaces start to increase in price, right? Like this is just how these things go, right? Like so, it's unfortunate, but uh, you know, I'll be there because I have a hotel. I haven't booked flights yet. I'm not going to book flights. That's the thing, right? Like, I'll book hotels on dates like this. I'm not booking a flight. I'll wait for Apple to book the flight. Same. I've got a place to stay, but uh, I will Mm -hmm. do flights after this is announced. Because as well, flights are more... It's easier to get flights than it is to get hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, Yeah, so so there's that. Um, So quickly before we move on, uh, are we applying for tickets? Yes. Of course. This will, as promised, this is my first year where I begin a plan. Yay, finally. Oh. Well, I hope you're not going to steal my ticket, Mike, but I that's will be very happy to See, that's going to be it. One. If I get a ticket and he doesn't get one, the whole time Federico will blame me Oh, yeah, personally I'm already telling you, like I'm telling away. you in advance. Okay. So, you you know, it's just, what it, it's just how I'm built. Uh, if you get a ticket and I don't, I will blame you. Uh, okay. But it's fine. It's just Steven, a, are you going to do it? I was going to, but I think uh, my wife is coming with me this year, so I am not going to be putting my name in the ring. This would be the worst year. But like, thanks for thanks for coming on this trip. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I spent an additional fifteen hundred dollars to go to a conference that I only have a little bit of business going to. So yeah, especially when I guess you guys are spending more money if you're coming together anyway. Yes, uh, but WBC often lands on our wedding anniversary and that is true this year if these dates are real and so instead of me like skipping town our anniversary we'll be traveling together so that's better uh <laughs> than the alternative but yeah it, I, I look forward to this trip every year i just hate that it's so expensive because it, it, it cuts so many people out it cuts so many so much of the community down that, that can't make it and you know mac world and stuff is all gone there are very few opportunities for like the apple community to be together and the main one is like prohibitively expensive for most people. It's it's a real shame. All right, we're gonna talk about Mike's sad, sad audio. I don't I didn't want to talk about this thing that's coming up, but you guys wanted me to talk about it and I didn't yes. want to, but we're doing it anyway. Yeah, we're gonna share share a little bit about your your audio situation at home, but first I want to tell you about Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more. 
So maybe you want to create an online store and have like a portfolio attached to it so people can maybe see what you're making and then go buy it. It would be really awesome. Or maybe you want to create a blog and be like Federico or host a podcast where Squarespace is the all-in-one platform, lets you do basically all that stuff all in one place. And the best part is there's nothing to install. There's no like server patches or software upgrades to worry about. Squarespace simply has all of that covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you run into anything that you have questions about or help with anything. They allow you to quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and then partner with one of those award-winning templates that are all beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Here at Relay, we use Squarespace to power our blog. So anytime we have an announcement about a new podcast or a live show coming up or anything like that, uh, Mike and I, can we can write a blog post. We can do it in Markdown, which I love, put it into Squarespace, drag images in, resize the images, make sure it all flows the way you want it to, and then publish it. And then we can go back to doing our regular jobs. And uh, I just know that that site will be up there. It will be stable. Everyone can read it. It looks really good. Uh, I just don't have to worry about it. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com connected. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for connected. Once again, that's squarespace.com connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. I'd like to thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace. Make your next move, make your next website. All right, Mike, tell us, lead us down your trail of woe. Since I was about 20 years old, I have been building a record collection. I kind of wow, built, that, built it a lot. You just started right off with like... What a, what a lead, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I, I built, I started that collection about then. I built most of it up over a few years and then I've added to it incredibly slowly, maybe over the last five years. Were like you I'm, into vinyl before Caseyless? I'm well. I was into it before I knew him. Uh, I think yes, actually, because Casey didn't own a record player of his own. I don't think yeah. until recently. A, so you're saying he's a poser compared to you, who are like 100. percent Who I'm, gotcha. o, I'm OG, and he's not. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, so I bought a record player and a bunch. Like, so I started collecting records, kind of accidentally. Um, because there was like a band that I liked at the time, and I was in a music store, and they had a bunch of just signed uh, singles in the like just in available to purchase. Because I don't know, I don't know why. I think they must have been there for a signing, and they oversigned, so the music store was just selling them. So I bought a couple of them, and then I started buying more because it was a cool thing to collect. And then I bought a record player so I could actually play them. Um, and the record player that I've had for years and years and years is, is very ugly. It's, it was a Newmark record player. Newmark is a DJ brand. I bought one that had a USB in it because I thought it maybe would be cool for me to record some. Because there are some some records have additional music on them or different versions of a song. So I thought, oh, it might be kind of cool to record them, turn them into MP3s. I never did this. Um, but at the time, it didn't really bother me how it looked or whatever. So that was that. And I've become increasingly frustrated. Like we have this in our front room and I just had this like ugly DJ record player and speakers just like in our front room in an Ikea Kallax, of course, because... Of course. Of course, just because, of course. Actually, uh, 12-inch vinyl records fit perfectly into a Kallax, so, you know, oh. it's great. That's a hot um, tip. 
Yep. So I've considered <laughs> upgrading to something for a while that's a little bit more stylish. And at the same time, I was thinking to myself, I actually don't want to buy speakers because I have really good speakers already in the room. And they're my HomePods. Like, they're the best speakers that I have in my house. They were expensive. I like the way they sound. Surely there's a way for me to be able to play this stuff on my uh, on my HomePods. Like, some, there must be some some way to send that signal. And I'd remembered hearing about, um, I think this may have been from Marco first, and then like I just saw a bunch of it. Sonos make a product called the Amp, and they were releasing a new version. I think it was called the Connect Amp, and now it's called the Amp, right? Because I was looking around and like this, I was doing some Googling, and there are some companies that say they make like AirPlay record players and stuff, but I couldn't really find. They weren't from any companies I'd ever heard of, and no one was supporting AirPlay 2. Um, it was all just AirPlay. And like one company that made a product that looked good, they didn't have it available anymore. It was all just kind of a bit like I wasn't really sure what to do there. So I thought, okay, the Sonos Amp, one of the big things about it is that it was supporting AirPlay 2. And I also thought this would be a cool product to own because it feels expandable. Like it has a bunch of like ports on it you know like i could connect actual speakers to it one day i could connect the tv to it one day like it it could end up in the future being part of a home entertainment system so i figured get it now and it would be like expandable so i was then looking around and sonos have some record players on their website um and so rather than doing like a big deep dive into record players, they had one which was exactly what i was looking for visually so i decided to get the amp and this record player together and the reason like this record player is super minimal and it's made of walnut which matches other furniture that we have in our front room so it was like perfect this is exactly what i want and you know sonos if it's i know it's going to work without any issues because sonos is selling it and etc etc so it's like great so it arrived and i got to setting everything up and then after a bunch of tinkering i come to the realization that you cannot send audio out from the amp via AirPlay. You can just send AirPlay streams from iOS devices to it, so you can then play this audio on Sonos speaker systems, which is exactly not what I wanted. Uh, and I'll get to the. I'll come back to this in a second. So I tried a bunch of things. There was no way around it. Federico had the idea of using something like Airfoil, but it's the same problem. Like, I can't, there's no way for me to get the audio from the record player via the Sonos to anything else. Right? So, for example, if there was a way for me to send it to a Mac, then I could use Airfoil by Rogue Amoeba to send it to my HomePods and it, I mean, it would work great. I guess you could if you had like a audio breakout box and a Mac yep. Mini in your yep. front room plugged, yes. <laughs> plugged into yeah. the thing. Well, what I mean is with the Sonos. Right. right. Yeah, but you like, have to bypass it. it. It is possible to get from record player to HomePod with 100%. Airfoil, but not yep. with Sonos not and with probably not in a way you're willing to do. Yeah, I would have to have the Mac Mini in there and then it's like, uh, then I've all got another box. Like, I have not ruled that out as a possibility, by the way, but like that's just not what I did and it wouldn't have helped the situation that I found myself in yesterday. Um, so I contacted Sonos support via Facebook Messenger which was useful rather than me calling them. I was pleased that they had some kind of messenger messaging platform. And I told them what I wanted, and then they started going through all this stuff with me about, like, 
do you let's change some settings on your router and all this kind of stuff and i was just ah. like before i do any of this can you just confirm to me like can this product do what i asked it could do and they're like oh no it can't do that i'm like so <laughs> why why are we going through this so the sonos amp can can take airplay in but can't send airplay out so sonos do have a good return policy so i'm returning the amp i'm keeping the record player and i've currently got it plugged into my old ugly speakers but i'm getting rid of the old record player uh like the the sonos return policy is good they're going to send someone to my house to come pick it up i was like all right like fine so i don't know who to be most mad at in this situation so Mm. i feel like sonos could have been more clear about this on their website about what their AirPlay 2 support is. But then I'm also annoyed at myself that I maybe should have spent more time reading about what it could do. So there's two references on the Sonos AMP webpage to AirPlay 2. Um, one of like one of them is just like, supports AirPlay 2. And then another one talks about streaming stuff to it, which I just figured was an example, right? Like, But maybe I don't understand what AirPlay is. Like, do I not understand what AirPlay is? Like, is no, it possible? I don't think that's the problem. For a company, like a company can make a box that can send an AirPlay 2 stream out, right? Is that possible? I don't know. Like, um, I think so. See, this is the thing. I don't, this is where I've realized, like, do I even not understand what AirPlay is? Like, can only iOS devices send an AirPlay stream that can be picked up by something else? Like, I don't know the answer to this and I can't seem to find it easily. Um, but then I started getting annoyed at Apple <laughs> because a $350 speaker is an expensive speaker. I should be able to integrate it better into my home entertainment system. Yes. It sh- I feel like there should be a way for me to do this more easily. And there I is... Mean, um, imagine if you could. You'd have like some sort of opening on the back of the HomePod. Maybe it would be yeah. round... Mm-hmm. And you could take something, like maybe a wire or some sort of hose, some sort of thing, and plug one end into the record player, and then you'd drag it over, and the other one would plug into those little openings on the back of the HomePod. Like, what? I mean, I should patent this. This seems like really... Yeah, but have you th- have you thought of waterproofing, though? Like, that could be a problem. Not with the HomePod. Where are you using your HomePods? Well... <laughs> Well, Don, that's beyond the... Money. You, like, you wrap it in a floaty them. and, like, have it in the pool? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> in the yeah, bathtub. like, it would be great if they even had line-in, right, which is what you're saying, so I could do this. I mean, so, like, the thing is about, like, the AirPlay support, like, I, I think that you do have to do it for, through an iPhone somehow. I don't know. It, but, like, it could be done via an app, right? Like... Sure. What What should happen here is the Sonos amp... I should be able to get the audio from that somehow and send it some, but like irrespective, this this product doesn't work. I don't really know what I'm going to do going forward. Like either get new speakers that are more visually appealing, mm-hmm. or keep my old speakers, or I find something that can do what I want. And like, I don't think I'm going to be able to find a product that can send an AirPlay stream out. Like I, I'm really struggling to find something that can, seems to be able to do this. Like, so I can be able to plug this something, my record player via RCA, it or line in, but preferably RCA, so I can, you know, whatever, because that's just the easiest way to do it. And so I can plug it in to this box, which can then I can just route the audio 
through to my HomePods. That's what I want to do. But I feel like what I, the only realistic way of doing this is sending the audio to my Mac Mini mm-hmm. and then from the Mac Mini to the HomePods. But then yes. even that is like, I don't know if I want to do that. All right, so Kate has found this is kind of the stuff that I've been seeing, which is like I felt like I I felt like maybe I was missing something, but like the AirPlay two system requirements say you can stream from basically iOS devices, HomePods, and Macs. So AirPlay two is purely like if the audio doesn't go to an Apple device, it can't leave it. So what I'm a manufacturer can't do this. That you could do is hook up a Raspberry Pi to the record player and have the and have the Pi basically fake being an AirPlay 2 uh, device, like an iOS device, um, so that, you know, basically it's acting as a bridge between the record player and yeah. the HomePod. So let me but, say one, one of the other things is I really don't want to settle on a solution that feels like it could break at any minute. Well, yeah. Okay. Right? That, that, that's because you know... <laughs> I am hesitant with a lot of this stuff because I go into these things not fully understanding what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I would be going into this, this Raspberry Pi solution, finding a way around it. But if something broke, I wouldn't know how to right. fix it. Well, and, right. and in, I did some reading about this, and it seems like I didn't go I didn't go too deep, but it seems like you run into the same issue where you can make a Raspberry Pi an AirPlay receiver, but not a generator of AirPlay uh, content. So. I don't even know if that would honestly would work. Um, so it's uh, so like sketchy. one thing that I thought is like Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. To like Bluetooth feels like a more uh, understandable situation, right? That I could connect it to some kind of Bluetooth device that goes to my Mac Mini and goes to the HomePods, right? So I, with Bluetooth. I could probably I, I haven't looked into this in any great detail, but I'm sure I could send it to Bluetooth. And then, is that possible? To Bluetooth to a HomePod? No. Bluetooth to a Mac Mini. I don't even know if that's possible. I'm not sure that it is. I mean, if you wanted to route uh, through your Mac Mini, like, you could run an audio cable even if the Mac Mini's not in there. I mean... I know, but I don't know if... I just haven't decided if I wanted to want to do that. But then, like, if I needed to do something on the Mac Mini, like, say the Mac Mini needed to be rebooted, I would then, like... "Mm, I might end up doing walk this. around the corner and reboot it. I mean, well, not- no, 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 because it was like you know, I was thinking about like so. My Mac Mini right now is next to a TV in my office, so I can plug mm-hmm. into a HDMI cable if, like, for example, I have to update it because then I need to log in before I can activate Lunar Display again, right? Right. But I could just plug it into the TV in my living room. Yeah, or have auto login. Like there are ways around that. But yeah, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the big picture here is though that. AirPlay 2 is sort of still an incomplete ecosystem because it doesn't seem like from the research the three of us have done to make a a product that is an AirPlay 2 generator. You can make a receiver, but not something that can push AirPlay 2 out onto your network. And this is where I hope that we just missed something and maybe listeners have a suggestion for you. But I guess the question is like, is this just because no one's done it yet? Is it a limitation that Apple wants its products to be the generator of AirPlay 2 and nothing else. And it doesn't care where you send it, but where it generates from, they care about like, that's kind of how I feel like it is. Like it's a limitation on the, on the standard, but we will, I guess maybe we'll learn more as time goes on. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. It didn't work the way you wanted it to. 
Yeah, I haven't decided what I'm gonna do. Like, I'm pro- I I think the the main thing is I don't want to keep those speakers. Um, so I either buy new speakers or I'll move the Mac Mini into the into the front room and mm-hmm. and then that's just where it lives. And the Mac Mini is hideable. Like sure. we could hide it, you know. It's like, it, and it's you know, it's small and. That that might be the option. I just haven't decided if I want to do that yet because I need to yeah. just judge like how often I'm going to do this. Do you know? Could could we get speakers that do aesthetically improve, like look nice? You know, like it's an improvement to the room to have like some really nice speakers. I haven't decided yet. Yeah. You know, like, well, just, you could set it up like in a temporary way and see even if this does what you want it to. Yeah, like how reliable is it, right? Like for, for this setup, like how how well will it actually work, and will I end up with like a bunch of other weird situations where like I accidentally start playing audio on my HomePods from the Mac when I don't mean to, <laughs> right? Like, is that a thing that I'm going to end up doing? Because um, what I don't want to do is every time I turn on the record player, have to go in and like set up a bunch of settings and turn on airfoil and all that kind of stuff. Like, I want it to just work. Which, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. We'll see. We'll see. If anybody has any like realistic suggestions that don't require me to install this open source thing on this device and then just get Homebridge and Raspberry Pi and just hack it all together, like I'm not interested in doing that. Um, I kind of want something that hashtag just works. Uh, and and but and I do count something like Airfoil and this just works, right? Like that is a product that you buy and they have support. Um, yep. You know that that's kind of where my line begins. Yeah. Well, keep us posted. Let us know yeah, how it goes. I think that does it for this week. If you want to find links to the stories we spoke about, they're in your podcast app, or you can find them on the website relay.fm/connected/slash two thirty. While you're there, you can send us an email with feedback or follow up, or you can do so over on Twitter. You can find Federico there at Vitici V I T I C C I. And uh, keep an eye out on Mac Stories for more wild iOS Mac Mm -hmm. automation madness. (laughs) I love it so much. I really do. Uh, You can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. And Mike is the host of a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. So if you like the sound of Mike's voice, there's plenty more opportunity to hear more of it. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and I write 512pixels.net. And until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.